There's not another road anywhere that looks like this road. I mean, exactly like this road. It's one kind of place, one of a kind. Like someone's face. Like a fucked up face. What's up, y'all? I'm Nolan. Is, is anybody going to answer me today? Am I am I soloing this? Is it going to be me next? You should probably answer, or I'm just going to it's solo. It's me, Stacy Glover. Good to see you. And then he flipped me off. How you doing? I'm well. Why are you... Are you okay? Well, I wasn't going to flip him off, because, you know... But then he's asking for it. What? How did I ask for it? <laughs> you were just sitting there looking like you needed it. I... Said who I was. So, like, since you didn't answer me and I looked at you like, are you going to say something? Then you flipped me off. Happy Pride, guys. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> Happy um, Pride. <laughs> what are we drinking? We have a special drink today uh, made by Melanie. Mm-hmm. I'm calling this uh, The Chimes at Midnight. Love that. That's what it'll call it. That um, is... Uh, it's a beautiful purple that changes in the light. Mm-hmm. Very nice. It looks super dark whenever it's sitting down. It's got some cherries floating around. Gorgeous drink. In it, we've got a little bit of, again, blue curacao, using it up from our last episode. Some white rum, Mm -hmm. a little bit of grenadine, Mm -hmm. a little bit of, uh, I use club soda, and a little bit of lime juice. A little bit of lavender syrup. Shake it all together. Throw some cherries in it. Fill your cup up with ice. Pour it over. It's really good. It's really nice. Honestly, it kind of tastes like a Kool-Aid. Like, it's very deceptive on how much alcohol Yeah, I feel like it. it's a drink that could mess us up pretty fast if we have, like, a few of the Punisher. I just yeah. eyed it, so I uh, I can't really give you portions. Just put however much you like of each thing. You can do a virgin cocktail of this again. If you uh, nice. use, I would do blue raspberry juice or soda, whatever you prefer. Mm-hmm. Mix that in with some grenadine, a little bit of lavender syrup. Lavender syrup is something that you should have in your cabinets. It's so good. You can put it in anything. You can use it for baking. It's amazing. Throw a little bit of that in there. Throw some ice. Throw some... Again, you could do a seltzer, like a... Yeah. Either club soda or a LaCroix, lime. Whatever you want to do. Mix it all together. Delicious. Throw some cherries. It's a very tasty drink. People do make the drinks, and I'll hear notes on it sometimes. Like, people message me on Twitter or Instagram, which I really love. Has anybody come out and been like, this was fucked? No, because they're, I mean, I'm not like... Everybody's nice? Yeah. Well, one... All our drinks have been good. Yeah, they're good drinks, but also we're not, like, reinventing the wheel. People throw blue curacao and, like, a a lime together all the time when you you talk in. Oh. But it's good. As you all know... The last few episodes, I have asked for reviews on the podcast, and it is to, I think, all our enjoyment that we have a new review to read. So I'm pumped about that. This is technically an old review that was sent to us. We don't have access to UK reviews, I guess. Jimmy said he gave us a five-star review. 
I love Cinema Parlor. Nolan, Stacy, and Melanie have such a natural, easygoing chemistry, and they always cover really interesting films, genres, or subgenres. They don't have a specific uh, remit as such, but if you love uh, stuff like Manhunter, Godzilla, Excalib Excalibur, Lethal Weapon, Italian Giallo, and Slasher Horrors, then you're going to love it. Well-informed, funny, and pure pleasure from the moment we hear the sound of that drink being poured at the start to the classic MFK segment at the end. I've had fun revisiting or discovering some great films thanks to this podcast. Jimmy, thank you for the kind words. And again, for uh, anybody interested, give us some reviews, some ratings. As I have proven the last few episodes, I will read your review, even if you hate us. I'm waiting for those to come in. Well, For people to hate us? Well, if, if we do it long enough, we'll get some. Specifically you. Uh, you, you just think I'm like a really bad villain? No. You're, you're like, I'm a, I'm a nasty guy. You're okay. Okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. All right. What have you been up to, dude? Yeah, so we're going to get into that a little bit here before we start today's episode. I've been going through the Saw movies, the Saw franchise, uh, which has been quite an endeavor, to say the least. Uh, I'm up to Saw. I just watched Saw 5, so I've, I've seen the first five movies. Before this venture, I had only seen the first two Saw movies that I can remember. Now, Stacy claims I watched another one with him. but We I, watched five in the theater. But I don't recall it. So I'm not saying he's wrong. It's just... I don't, that memory's gone. Yeah, it, it's gone. Are uh, you sure that it wasn't Final Destination? I think it's specifically... I think it's five. I think it's the one that he's talking about where, like, the cop turns bad. Oh, spoilers. Maybe. I don't How know. How dare you! Because that sounds familiar to me, and I've the only seen, turn bad. like, one in five. <laughs> Sorry if anyone was trying to catch up for Spiral, and you just got to the fourth <laughs> film, and now yeah. it's been... But Spiral's out. been out for a while. Like, if you really wanted to see Spiral, you probably did it already. Only a few weeks. If you really wanted to see Spiral, you probably did what it already. What if you're someone like me, who's like, I gotta catch up with these, and then I'll see Spiral at home? Are you having a fun time watching these? I mean, yeah. It, Are they good films? No, I don't like any of them. I mean, you don't even like the. First I don't even like one. the first one. Although I think I have a, I have a lot of interesting thoughts on the first film. Like, wait, says you? Says me? Yeah. He talked about it. He wrote a. a I did. I wrote a little thing. So if anybody cares to read it on Letterbox, there. But <laughs> I think <laughs> that the first film, you know, obviously with between that and Passion of the Christ, started the, uh, the, uh, torture porn. Uh, genre in the U.S. It's really interesting that you bring up Passion of the Christ. Who is Jesus in that film? Jim Caviezel, right? Yes. Guess what film we're talking about today? It's his first film ever. Damn. How about that? His feature debut. That's sick right there. Sorry. No, love it. I don't even recall seeing him in the movie. He's like a just a blip. He's just a real quick little cameo, that's, but he's in there. That's really great. So, yeah, you know, so there are I, I do I'm not gonna just I'm not gonna say it right now because you can read my thing if you want but I I do think the first saw is there's there's a lot to dive in there I don't particularly love it watching it now I as when I was younger I really liked it uh, but watching it now I I don't know that it's a very good movie but I think there's a lot there to talk about uh, the sequels I think are uh, fair to Midland but uh, I will say um, I've been entertained through most of them. Uh, after just watching five, though, I will say by the fifth movie, uh, the fun has uh, has started to fall into banality. So, and boredom. Why are you doing this to yourself? 
Well, I, I want to get I want to get to Spiral, obviously. So you're not you're not putting enough respect on like Herschel Gordon and blood sucking freaks. Well, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm just at uh, bad stuff. I'm just at Saw. You know, I have a Herschel, Herschel Gordon Lewis box set. Well, I'll make you dive in with me. Oh, have you, I'd have you watched any of those? No, I've never seen any of his movies. Actually, oh, yeah, you're in for. Aren't they torturey porny? Yeah, they're. I know blood sucking freaks is. I've seen that. That it's... was like didn't Trauma put that out? Yeah. I'm not a big Trauma fan. I think that's one that they. They just released. I know they have like some that they produce. Yep. Producing, yeah, sure. yeah. So, so, so for sure, is uh, the new movie the only reason you're interested in going back to them, or is there something about the series that? No, like I said, I mean, I I do think they're interesting to think about. Yeah, I do want to go yeah. back through them. Uh, I will say a few few uh, notes of interest in the uh, second, third, and fourth Saw movies. We have Donnie Wahlberg. That right there is TV's positive. Blue Bloods. There you go. And then the only thing I cared about was Carrie Elway's in the first film, right? Mm-hmm. And I know they got him looking pretty busted. <laughs> is Danny Glover in the first film too? Hell yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a cop, right? Yeah. Oh whoa, I forgot Danny yeah. was in there. Danny, because yeah, he like he has a rough whoa, time. Danny, they're trying to find him. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember. Like Jigsaw's got like the weird pig mask thing yeah. going on. Yeah, the, the doll. Yeah. Oh wow, that, that stuff doesn't end. That doesn't end. I mean, you that, get a lot of you doll get a lot of pig mask. Pigmen. Yeah, as Love it keeps that. going. Mm-hmm. And then, trike. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, and then finally in the uh, fourth and fifth films where I'm where I've ended my journey as a, this far, but uh, you have uh, Scott Patterson, aka Luke Danes from Gilmore Girls, which excited me. Hearing you go back through them, I think I've seen through three, maybe I've seen four, but I know that's it. Okay. I haven't seen anything past that. So they haven't hit like Friday the Thirteenth numbers as far as how many movies. They're getting close. So they're. I believe if my calculation is correct, Spiral is the ninth film in the franchise. Ah oh, shit! So they just got like three more to do. That's what I'm saying they. Yeah. I didn't realize because I forget that they have that jigsaw whatever that yeah. is. If that's a prequel, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yes, yeah. but I forget it's not even a numbered one. Yeah, yeah. This just uh, we've already hashed this out, but I'm just gonna. Spill it for the audience. I believe how it goes. You have one through five. Then you have six, which is considered like the last chapter or whatever. But it's not. But it's not. It's not. They come back. They come they back. They always do. With Saw 3D as the seventh film. Then as Melanie just said, Jigsaw, the eighth film is, I, I'm with her. I think it's some kind of prequel. Never seen it. And then we get Spiral, the Book of Saw. So like Jigsaw, just like Philadelphia, because he gets like cancer. He, I mean, that's why he's mad, he, he right? He does have cancer, and he... Yeah, I probably shouldn't spoil it, just in case people want to go out. <laughs> it's you like know. 20 years old. Okay, then Well, I'll we look. don't have to just spoil everything. Like the first movie, we can... Oh my gosh. Can just... If you, you care to wrap it up. Saw, don't listen to the next 10 seconds. What were you going to say? Well, he dies by the end of the third one, because he's got the cancer. Oh, the cancer kills him. Well, yes and no. I mean... It's complicated. It's complicated. He's a complicated guy. He's got, he's got complicated. Uh, he's dying. One of his tra- His protege kills him. No, oh, they're just they're all complicated characters, man. What this you is. You're telling me nothing. I know. I need to stop talking. So anyway, that's what I've been up to. I've been watching the Saw movies. Hell of a ride. Great time. Stacy, what have you been up to? I watched Once Upon a Time in the West this morning. That's a classic. I think it's uh, I think it's probably Leone's best made film. It's not my favorite of his, but I think it's his best. I think it's 
I think one could make an argument, I'm not saying I feel this way, but I think one could make an argument that it is the best crafted film. Like, it is very pretty. Everything just works. And it's iconic shot after iconic shot. It's, yeah, it's like his so... shot setups are just crazy with like Morricone's sound. It's great. It yeah. is a wonderful film. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. I, I really like that movie. It's been a number of years since I've seen it, but uh, I remember at the time, I actually liked it better than Good, Bad, and the Ugly. I, I'm with you I, in that I think it's probably his best-directed movie, but for me, it's also my favorite of it, the ones I've seen. Yeah, it's it's my favorite as well. I think that it, it's such an interesting film because that one came out in 68, so really like the postmodern western takes off in 69 with Wild Bunch. I know Butch Cassidy's before yeah. that, but that's not really commenting on the genre. I think most people consider Wild Bunch the jumping off. Yeah, point. so it, it kind of exists in this like nice point of kind of a grand summary of the genre to that point. Mm-hmm. But also because it is, you know, about the genre, it's somewhat postmodern. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in the West, great film. I've also been playing some Yakuza 0, quite a bit of it. It's a very enjoyable game. It's kind of got the open world thing going for it, like a GTA, but it's not the... Like, the gameplay is different. It's more of a beat-em-up game, but you're doing mini-games throughout the whole game, and the story's pretty good. How old is this game? Yakuza 0? I think it came out, like, four or five years ago. Uh, Melanie, what have you been up to? <laughs> I, uh, let's see... Well, I've been finishing up Resident Evil uh, 2 Remake. I'm at the very end. I'm at the very last boss battle in the sewers. Well, actually, I guess technically I'm in the lab now facility. So finishing that out, and then I'm going to go back through and do Leon's campaign. I have been doing a lot of stuff around the house. So I've been doing painting and hanging curtains, a lot of boring old person stuff. It looks so, good though. Yeah, thank you. As far as I started a new book which I'll talk about in an upcoming episode we'll be covering soon so okay. I, I don't want to get too much into that. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the new Conjuring film. As did I. What are you guys' how do you feel about it? I have not seen this movie yet. Yeah, <laughs> so obviously we won't spoil anything. It's... Talking about horror series that have just gotten long in the tooth. Hmm. You know, okay, so the thing for this movie for me, I didn't love it. I think that Patrick and Vera are still, they've got great chemistry, and they're really having to do some heavy lifting in this one. As far as the series goes, like, it's not the worst, it's not the best. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, The Conjuring is the best film, and probably could have just stopped there. Although I do like, is it Annabelle Creation? Or no, no, no. Annabelle, yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. That's the second one on yep. the farmhouse. There's some really weird imagery in that, but uh, this one is just it. The weird thing, and this isn't so much a spoiler. The story that this is based on, because this is one of those all the Conjuring films, it's based on a true story. One of their Ed Lorraine Warren's case files, allegedly. 
Yeah, well, this one, there is a lot of stuff out there, and I read a ton about it before the film came out, because it's like I knew about this, but I didn't really remember that much, obviously. Like, the court case happened. Yeah, the court- The rest of it's bullshit. No, no, see, and that's what I'm getting at. So, the court case that this is based on is really interesting and super fucked up, so I was expecting them to- What I was hoping for, which, in retrospect, obviously this wouldn't have happened, I thought it was going to be a courtroom drama with horror elements- which I thought could have been pretty cool Mm. because that sets up where it's like you have these long stretches of just you're in daylight in a courtroom. It's like you could do some really freaky stuff and I thought it would be cool. There's, I don't love this movie, but uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose, that's Mm. kind of a courtroom Mm -hmm. drama too. Sure. That is probably a much better film. It it does things better than this, but you were expecting a few good men with demons. That's yeah. all I was hoping for. I yeah. mean, that sounds pretty right. Yeah, either The Firm, A Few Good Men. Or like Devil's Advocate. That Yeah, that would have been great. Oh, man. That's just exactly what it should have been. See, and... And now we're talking to Keanu. How about that? Yeah, no, this is... It's coming full circle, but this... You get bogged down in a side story that is super boring. Oh, well, I, I don't know. Maybe people like it. I didn't like it. The New Conjuring? Mm-hmm. It's okay, I guess. Like, I don't think it's a good movie, and I didn't like it, but I don't think it's dog shit. It's okay. It's better than The Nun. I could go the rest of my life without watching it. Yeah. I don't know, but... You know, can I just say, as we talked about Devil's Advocate just for a second, Mm -hmm. I just want to say, anybody interested, there's a lot of Keanu S. in Devil's Advocate. There's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff in that. Al Pacino, it might be one of his greatest big performances. Yeah. Where he's really, he's mm-hmm. dialed up to 12. and Goes that extra mile. It's really fun. I love that movie. Well, that's on Jack and Jill level, Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always forget that he's in that classic Adam Sandler. Man, wow. I've actually never seen Jack and Jill. I just, I feel like, I don't know, the, the closing credits, he's like singing a song about Al Cut. Al Cappuccino. Oh, man. Oh, because doesn't he have a... A cappuccino chain. That's called... Love it. Al Cappuccino. If I was standing next to a Starbucks and across the street was an Al Cappuccino, I'm going to go walk across the street. You got the Al, Al kick in you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... Yeah, well... Uh, I will say real quick on my end, I've only ever... I've seen the first two Conjuring movies, but I've seen nothing else in the Conjuring world. It's a vast universe now. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably on the same level of like those Saw movies. No. So I, I guess if you're liking those. Whichever one they're on a farm, that one was surprisingly good. I really liked it. I would put that pretty high in my ranking of those those films. But overall, they're, they're just kind of, uh, you know, they're middling. They're mm-hmm. middling for that. They're... Yeah. I would be okay if we got no more movies about the war. Yeah, well, the Warrens are kind of, we won't get into that, but they're kind of, I don't want to say problematic, but they're, they're pieces of work. They're hell yeah. Might not be on the up and up, so, you know. With that being said, are we ready to get into today's movie? Mm -hmm. I'm excited to talk about this. Alright, so for this year's Pride episode, we have my own private Idaho, directed by Gus Van Sant. From 1991. It's the four and six. They always do it. You can tell because the same I know the one before the five is four. All right. 
What are you mad at me for? I know I messed up, alright? Are you embarrassed? Yeah. I'm always embarrassed. I'm an embarrassment. That's gonna be... I'm gonna write a review for you to read next week. Shut up. <laughs> this is just gonna be maniacal Roman numerals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to reread it like five times. Because I'll mess up. Wherever, whatever. Have a nice day. All in caps. In this loose adaptation of Shakespeare's Henry IV, Mike Waters is a gay hustler afflicted with narcolepsy. Scott Favor is the rebellious son of a mayor. Together, the two travel from Portland, Oregon to Idaho, and finally to the coast of Italy in a quest to find Mike's estranged mother. Along the way, they turn tricks for money and drugs, eventually attracting the attention of a wealthy benefactor and sexual deviant. I don't think that's a good description. That last sentence makes it seems seem a little bit more insidious than anything that happened. Anything that happens to the to the boy, our main characters is it's consensual. We're gonna go with our cast in this film. We have Rivers. Uh, I'm sorry, River Phoenix, not Rivers. <laughs> River Phoenix as uh, Mike Waters, Keanu Reeves as Scott Favor, James Russo, Richard Waters, William Riker as Bob Pigeon. Rodney Harvey as Gary, Chiara Caselli as Carmella, Michael Parker as Digger, Flea, obviously, as Bud, <laughs> Udo Kier as Hans, that's an important one, I feel, and um, as Melanie said earlier, uh, that we have uh, a young Jim Caviezel. I'm looking for him. Give me a I second. I promise you, he's way down that I'm going list, to find though. him. There he is, as airline clerk. That's really great. <laughs> he is. He's, <laughs> like, he's a blip. So, uh, there's there's most of our our characters. There's a few more, but I feel like those are the... They don't matter? Well, they do, but I, I just not, I don't want to list anymore, basically. There's there's a lot of boys. And, a lot of boys. That's true. Stuff. You're done with names. Yeah, that's fair. With it, I think know? that's fine. Okay. You read your notes? Yeah, let's do this. Narcolepsy. I was gonna write down the exact definition, but I forgot to, so I just, you know, it's a it's a sleeping disorder. It's a sleeping disorder. I well, I say it's sleeping. It's a neurological disorder. Yeah. If you're looking for Webster's, well, I mean, I was gonna write it down. I just put narcolepsy definition, and I didn't write it down for your purposes or for the show. Mine. And then I was gonna read it on the show. I didn't make it. Whatever. All right. We start out in Seattle. Blowjob prostitution. Immaculate cleaning fetish. That was funny stuff. Narcoleptic hustler, who's Mike. Uh, male call, ready to ride, Keanu. Uh, which is, he's on a magazine called Homo on the Range. Cover boys coming to life. Love that. It's a really great looking uh, effect. Udo Kier, he plays Hans. We move on to Portland. Hans takes Keanu and Rivers to Portland. First, quote-unquote, date stories. Bob shows up. Uh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. How long has it been, Bob, since you've seen your dick? About four years, Scotty. What a line. Uh, <laughs> Scott's dad is looking for him. Hasn't seen him in three months. Scotty's nipple play with Mike is absolutely joyous. Scott's father <laughs> finds him, calls him a degenerate. Uh, many desolate empty spaces throughout the film, which is something we'll probably talk about. Uh, the film moves on to Idaho. Absolutely adore uh, Mike, uh, his pants game. Uh, he has some, just some really... You're talking about those, like the pinkish... The, the reddish, yeah, pinkish, pink, yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Great stuff. Scott and Mike flee to Idaho together. 
campfire together, Mike telling Scott he loves him, not just as a friend. A really beautiful moment, one of my standout moments of the film. I think it's a very touching scene. Uh, Mike uh, is looking for his mom, his estranged mom. Mike and Scott visit Mike's dad. Uh, he tells Mike a story of his mom and a cowboy going to watch Rio Bravo at a theater. Uh, his mom shoots the guy in the head and kills him and says that was Mike's real father. Crazy story. Hans returns. Uh, Udo obviously killing shit. Hans dance number with a lamp. Unshakable. Maybe one of the best moments I've seen in some time. Uh, we get some threesome fun with Hans, Scott, and Mike. Yes. I feel like you missed a big thing. Okay. So, like, when the brothers tell him that story, there's the revelation that, like, he's like, I know who my drill dad is. You know, it's you. Like, the brother is the dad. Right. I'm sorry I didn't write down. I just feel like that was a big moment. Okay. Well. You didn't cover it. Sometimes asylum and fail. Threesome fun. Hans, Scott, and Mike. Hans' motorcycle, motorcycle gift. Gets a speeding ticket. We move on to Roma. Scott and Mike head to Italy. Think they've tracked down Mike's mom. Turns out she's not there. Scott finds a love interest in Roma. Scott falls in love with her. Leaves Mike. Gives him some money and hopes to see him down the road sometime. Tells him story. Tells him a story they didn't. Wait, I'm sorry. Let me try that again. Tells him sorry that they didn't find his mom. That makes more sense. And finally, move. Go back to Portland again. Mike is back to hustling. Scott returns as the man his father wanted him to be all along in a suit and his lady, whining and dining. Uh, we get back with Bob. He confronts Scott. Scott denies Bob, turns him away. Scott uh, has uh, broken Bob's heart. Uh, Bob dies. Scott's father also has passed away. Both funerals take place at the same time in the same vicinity. All right. And that's the end of the film. Melanie, your thoughts on My Own Private Idaho. The first time I saw this was on IFC. So they used to play this quite a bit. And the first time I saw it, I missed... I, I started in where the boys are going on the trip. Okay. So once they, they're kind of just road tripping on the motorcycle, and it kind of drops the Shakespearean dialogue. Mm-hmm. It, like yep. that's that's more the candor is still there the way they speak uh the cadence but they drop some of the dialogue because it's very heavy anytime bob pigeon is is around anytime yep. they're in the old warehouse building that you know it's all most of that straight lines lifted from mm-hmm. the plays so it's weird it's weird going back I, i've seen it all before this but i forgot how good that stuff is it really mm-hmm. works for me just a really smart move and i know that he man sant kind of frankenstein a couple of his own scripts together to make this one and based on everything i've read it, i do think that this is the best version of those stories is yep. just melding them together keanu and river have such a had such a good chemistry together and you can mm-hmm. tell that they genuinely cared about each other and it just comes across yep. even whenever i mean the scott favor is such a a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> but even in that, it's they have moments that are so tender and really warm. And I guess this film, I just... And I think it gets more and more the older I get, too. And I, there's probably a couple pieces to this where the unrequited love of it is so tragic. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes you don't pick up on that when you're younger. Yeah. To the same degree. Forget how good this film looks. 
Yeah. It is, he shoots the hell out of it. And there's a lot of just really cool, I mean, the, the gag with the magazines and stuff, like it looks really cool and it's poppy and it's weird, mm-hmm. especially for that time period doing something like that. It just, it, I don't know. It's really interesting. The spacing I love so much. There's yep. so much open space and symmetry yep. in a lot of these scenes. There's one shot in particular where I I think it's after the boys come back during the the robbery <laughs> yep. of stealing from Bob. They're back at the warehouse and there's the shot of them like kicking up dirt, messing around and celebrating their victory and triumph over everybody else. The way it looks, it's kind of just a throwaway moment, but it looks so cool and the, the colors in the scene. Yep. There's just so many moments like that in this film for me. And I think going back and, I don't know, rewatching it. It was a really good rewatch. I really enjoyed it. Stacey? I like this movie. It's the first time I watched it. I think it's the most visually interesting film that I've seen from Vincent. Um, I think that... I, I really the films of his I've seen are like his traditional Hollywood pictures, and this film has a ton of style. He some of that's lifted from Chimes at Midnight from Orson, like when Bob's introduced and they're like in that rundown that warehouse thing. I don't yeah. Know. I guess it's more of like an old apartment, apartment building. building. Yeah, the visual language he uses during all of that stuff. Like, some of it's, like, shot for shot, like, what Orson was doing during the same scenes. And if you take out the Hustler bits, the first act is pretty damn close to the first act of Chimes at Midnight. It's, like, word for word. The movie does take a deviation once they go on their journey together. And then kind of resumes the Henry the Fourth story once they come back. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of you know, traveling for romance. They fight in a war, I believe, in the story in between mm-hmm. those bits and his betrayal of Bob Pigeon slash Falstaff. Mm-hmm. Falstaff's the character in Shakespeare. But yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I think that, you know, both of the, you know, anybody that says Keanu's a bad actor, like, he's really good in this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, River, of course. I really dig the dude who plays Bob Pigeon. I think he directed River in a movie. River convinced him to do this film. He badgered him until he agreed to do it. But he had directed him in, oh, what is it? It's like A, a Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon, something like that. A Day okay. in the Life of Jimmy Reardon. Uh, I would just say that uh, I loved this movie. I thought it was uh, quite good. Uh, first, My first uh, viewing experience as well. The, the film works best for me when it, you know, I, I like the the Henry V stuff. I've, Henry IV part. Oh, okay. There There's you go. two parts. All right, we'll see. I'm just trying to fluster you. You're doing it. But, uh, you know, I, I know, obviously, I know a lot of big plays, but I, I, I haven't read a lot of them, or uh, I've, there's various adaptations I haven't seen. So I'm a little familiar with the story, but I, I don't know something I really haven't studied. So uh, when I'm watching this movie, I really embraced the road trip part of it uh the the buddy road trip and uh really just as you talked about melanie like their uh connection between scott and mike and the way they play off 
each other on screen. It like it's it's really great. You know, it's really really good. And uh, I I feel like I know this. It's a movie that there's a lot of comedic moments and there's there's, there's like a good mix of serious and comedic. But like I don't think I was prepared for that campfire scene. It worked for me. But when we get to that point, I hadn't really thought about that. So I was reading. I guess that Todd Haynes did an interview with Gus for the the Blu-ray or DVD uh-huh. or whatever, and he was talking about how up until that point, Mrs. Haynes, up until that campfire scene, he thought the film was treating homosexuality as a villainous thing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you have those stories about mm-hmm. the, you know, the guys in the diners sure. and everything is, I guess, shown in a somewhat negative light from that perspective. But, and I understand that from like whenever the time that interview, because mm. I think that was 2004 when the first Criterion DVD came out. Yep. But I will say watching it now, not knowing anything about the film, it's like, pick up on it, it's like oh okay like they're doing shakespeare and like oh this is a good looking film but like i didn't think i i guess i didn't read it as more of like a midnight cowboy type of thing i've just kind of read it as like i didn't think of it as anything insidious yeah and i feel like the characters that are in their lives that they are entertaining like i know you have those stories and like some of them are like gut punches mm-hmm. but none of the characters that our characters interact with are really insidious. Yep. So, like, I didn't get any negative vibes off of it. I understand why, after so many years, you know, it's gotten this cult status for being a major film for, you know, pride. and The character of Mike, so River's character, mm-hmm. is based on a real boy okay. that Gus knew. He's in the film. I don't know okay. if you remember. Uh, I don't know his character's name, but he's the blonde boy who uh, he has kind of like sleepy eyes. They're really heavy lidded. Yep. He wears a hat and he talks a lot about oh, yeah. doing his own music. Yeah, like that's his I remember dream. that character. He has an awful story. So, from my understanding, all of those documentary moments where the boys are talking in the cafe, yeah, those are real hustlers. Okay, that blonde hair boy is who Mike is based on. His name's Michael Parker. Okay. He was going to play the character originally because Gus wanted to do a more documentary mm-hmm. style type thing. And then it evolved as he just kept cobbling his stories together. And then those stories are real. Like wow. Some of that is what yeah. happened to the those boys. Are They're those... real hustlers, which is awful. Yeah, it's awful. It's also like... Um, I, I enjoy that part of the movie when they're talking about that stuff. Because I... It feels like it's real talk when they're when they're having those conversations because they're looking straight at the yeah. camera mm-hmm. and it does feel like yeah they're... the way he shoots it mm-hmm. very much and yeah so that's interesting to, to know well and it's also the performance it it feels so natural because it's somebody telling a story uh-huh. of a thing that happened to him it's not you know and an actor having a confessional on a camera and like trying to make you feel something about the thing that was being said and there's nothing wrong with that but there's no manipulation. It's there's just... it is very much like an aside of like this is a a small fragment of a thing that happened to me. I'm not telling it to you to make you feel a thing. I'm saying like we're having a conversation at a diner, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, this is a thing. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's so matter mm-hmm. of fact. And yeah. I think that's also something that's very uh disarming about it it's odd because it's something and it's no less because as you said it is a gut punch it's they're awful stories it's so heartbreaking mm-hmm. that you know these young boys experience these horrific things mm-hmm. but at the same time the way they're telling you yep. is so nonchalant and just like yeah so you know yeah this is the world yeah so there are and being older again as i it, yep. this is a film that for me it just changes and it it I, I've always loved it, but it, I appreciate different yeah. parts of it, and I find just there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, it's very when he shoots, it's very much like a almost a confrontational way of shooting because we we talk about like someone talking to you. It's breaking that being in, breaking yeah that breaking wall. that wall. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I, I enjoyed that stuff a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, it, so that that to me anyway was the. The road trip stuff. That, that's my favorite parts of the film. But, like, what one thing I found quite interesting about the movie is you talked a lot about the uh, the, look, the spaces in the film. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I, I quite like is, you know, the, the whole movie is very vast and desolate. But, like, as we get to when they go on their road trip, as we move from Portland to Idaho, then to Roma... It seems like the spaces get fit more vast and empty as they go on, and I think to me that reflects a lot how Mike is feeling on the inside, uh, especially after that campfire scene when he confesses how he feels to Scott. It's just like being busted wide open, yeah, and just everything mm-hmm. yeah. on display. Uh, so I think that's something that I I think is very a smart decision that Van Sant makes, and I just I. I really like like that a lot about the movie. What do you think of the iconic shot of, because we see it so many times at the beginning and the end, and there's flashes throughout, of him on the road with the road with the, the odd face. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of that shot? Uh, yeah, those are, like, great compositions. Like, absolutely. It, it's a movie full of them, to be honest. It's yeah. like, I got a very strong sense of loneliness watching the movie. And it's and, interesting that you say that because you're talking yeah. about these open spaces. But yeah, it feels it's, very it's very compact at the same time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's it's an interesting dynamic that works completely. But I, and I don't know that I've seen anything before or after that does it in that way, um, which I think is a huge compliment to mm-hmm. Van Sant. Yeah, and there is a lot of funny moments that well, I'm sure we'll get to some of them, but. I, I don't think I was prepared to be as moved as I was by it. Yeah, because you go through the gauntlet mm-hmm. of emotions because I know, I mean, it starts off and it's like one of the first things is just like a full-on orgasm. From, yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay, like we're off to yeah. the races. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have this scene with River and the man he was with, yeah. which it's anyone that our characters interact with, any of their clients or their friends that they're entertaining mm-hmm it's there's this odd there's it's there's compassion and camaraderie yep. with them like it's mm-hmm. not there's nothing insidious happening yeah but it's like you have this whole him needing money and the guy just being like all right here it yep. is like i've got you yep. like it's i don't know it's it kind of sets up how mike is i don't know like it feels like mike is just constantly kind of flailing through life yeah, yeah. and 
it's sad because it's like he, the whole film he's just trying to get back to his mom. Right. Yeah. And that's really all he all he wants, and he can't get there. Mm-hmm. And, and he's constantly. It's not like it's handouts, but it kind of in a way yeah. because it, his condition, having narcolepsy, yeah. he's kind of just at the whim of the world yeah. and expecting other people to take care of him. His this will probably be maybe far off, but I'm just gonna mention it and. If you guys don't agree, that's cool. I actually, so one of my, I think we've talked about this on the pod before. One of my favorite movies is Inside Lewin Davis. And I actually thought quite about, quite a bit about Lewin's character after watching this movie. And just because of him, in, in that movie, Lewin re- relies so much on other people. And he's really just wandering a lot through that film. Now, obviously, there's different circumstances and repercussions and all that but i actually i don't know i thought a lot about that character while watching this movie with with mics so i don't know i don't think you're off okay fair enough so anyway yeah i like that uh should we talk about udo kier yeah i was hoping we'd get to that he's great i love his little performance you'll be happy to know that that's an actual performance that he did they worked it in it's a cabaret that he worked in yeah he's great and I, I think it's interesting to put him in this movie because he's, A, he's very good in the film, but B, you know, he kind of became famous through all these, you know, sexually charged films mm-hmm. they did with Andy Warhol. Yeah. I just think he's an interesting figure to put in something like this, you know, given the subject matter. But yeah, he's he's fantastic in the film. Absolutely. Melanie? Well, that's, it's just another, we can, honestly, we could go scene for scene and talk about our favorite shots because every single scene has a moment that sticks out. Yeah. His performance and the song, his, his actual performance of the song is so good. And it's, I think automatically it's like when we are done, it's like, okay, so what does this make you think of? Obviously Blue Velvet. Right. But it also for me, because I'll always champion it, Psycho 3. Right. There's yeah. just a lot of, yeah. I don't know, some intensity with the lamp. I just love it. Yeah. Or a flashlight, I suppose. Right. Yeah. His his dance number, I mean, it's up there for he me. It's like great, too. One of, the, one of the best dance scenes I can recall at some time. And something else that kills me during that scene, so this is a river thing, but I don't know if either of you caught it, but it it's only like... You see him, but it's only a couple shots where it really focuses on the boys mm-hmm. watching him do his performance. Keanu is clearly, like, Scott is not into it. And Mike is, <laughs> it almost looks like Mike is about ready to have another episode because he starts yep. to, like, tilt off. But River's posture, he's wearing, like, a robe. Yep. And his posture, <laughs> the way he's sitting, I love it so much. Like, yep. it looks, I don't know, it's just something, it's like a little detail in the scene where Keanu's kind of, like, flailed out, just, like, whatever, and River's very, like, closed off mm-hmm. and cross-legged yep. and what is happening yep. here. Yeah. Well, all the characters that they run into, I feel, like, in the film, these encounters are pretty eccentric. Like, the cleaning guy, the Dutch boy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, that guy's really funny. <laughs> I love the way that scene opens up, too, because they're just, it's just him and River talking in this room. Slowly, the guy doesn't suggest it. But River's just like, this place is a mess. We should clean it. We should clean it. And then it just cuts to him just scrubbing. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um you get the, the scene with the the elderly lady from you know, Twin Peaks, oh. like the older 
I don't know if it's divorcee or whatever. She was rich. Yep. Yeah, I, I think all these side characters are really interesting who they pair them up with during their journey. Yep. When they're in the hotel room with Udo, I don't know about you guys, but I was personally like, I would give anything to be in that room right now. Not for the, like, but the see, sexuality of it, but I mean, I wouldn't, you well, know, it, whatever. It was but truly I'm just entertaining. Like, I want to, like, yeah, this is insane but awesome what's going on right now. I want to know more. <laughs> See, and I I know that he didn't do, like, a full-on performance because it's too much to compare mm-hmm. to Like, I get it, but I really, it's like, man, you could have let that go longer, I feel. Yeah. I, <laughs> it kind of reminded me of Ray Fiennes' performance in Bigger oh, Shalash oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. when he's mm-hmm. performing the Rolling Stones song. Yeah, yeah. you said this. I remember you said that after yeah. the film. I was like, yeah, that's, that's good. Okay. See, just yeah. like the way, and, you know, I wonder if, like, Guadagino... You know, took something from this, mm-hmm. you know, the way that it's framed, because I feel like at least early on in that sequence with uh, Ray Fiennes, it, like Udo, it's shot, you know, medium wide yep. to get everything, the movement, everything mm-hmm. in full frame. Yeah. It looks great. It does. And it cuts to close, like near the end on both of those sequences when it needs to. Yeah. While we're on that, at the at the end of that little sequence, um, we get little, I don't know how to, um, there's, what, freeze frames of... How he shoots sex. Yeah, of, of everybody he, having... He, he does it as if they're painting. Yes. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. still frames. Yeah, they're still frames. Yeah. And I love how he did that. So he, he does that there, and he does it later in the film with Scott and... Camilla. Or Cam- yeah. yeah. Uh, with when, when they hook up as well. But I, I think it's an interesting use it's of form there. It's a highly stylized yeah. thing, but it works. It's like he throws so much into the pan in this, and it all of it works for me. Yeah. And I feel like f- someone else easily could have done this, and it would have been such a mess, because talking about it, it just sounds like so much is happening. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on, but it's it looks so good. Yeah. And it fits perfectly, because you don't need a hardcore sex scene in this. Right. But they're very graphic still. Yes. Yeah. It's not like you yeah. you really see anything. It gets but like it as a viewer, you understand exactly what what's happening, doing. what what went on, mm-hmm. and it's in a way that it's poetic. It is. I, I I enjoyed it. I liked what he did with that. Yeah. Um. Real quick, do you guys want to talk about Van Sant? Any? Um. How what's how do you feel about him as a filmmaker, Stacy? I don't know. He seems somebody who's just interested in fucking around with film. Yeah. I I probably say that mostly because of like the psycho experiment he has um obviously they are much they are very different in the way they go about but he seems to me almost like a Soderbergh type where he's he's interested in various forms and that's a fair comparison yeah i i think though that like Soderbergh is like much more commercial than sand i do think that I really like Van Sant's, like, more, say, Hollywood style. I think both of his, like, bigger films are still, like, super low budget and done by minor studios. I think Good Will Hunting was, well, like, Miramax and Milk was Fox Searchlight. Yeah. But he, I think with those movies, he, he probably knew what he had. Yeah, well, and I, but I do think it's weird that he doesn't revisit any of the style that he showed in this film like and i've seen bits and pieces from his other stuff um like i recall like is an elephant shot mostly like 
medium, but yeah. with a lot of over-the-shoulder shots. It is. You know, I, a Psycho is just a shot-for-shot shot remake of Hitchcock, and I just think it's weird and, I don't know, interesting or not, but I think... It's strange to me that he never really recaptured this visual style that he showed in this film. You guys talked about all these different things that he's doing, and we didn't really touch on it too in depth, but the magazine sequence, like how he did that, which yeah. is just an optical effect. Right. Plexiglass. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really it looks great. great. Yeah. It, he's not like shown these like flourishes in like his later works. Yeah. There's there's a before I go on, Melanie, what are your thoughts on Van Sant? No, I I would agree with Stacy. I mean, he there are a couple of his films that I really like, and I do anytime he comes out with something, I want to watch it. I'm interested in his films. I love Milk. I love Goodwill Hunting. There are some films that just don't hit for me. This is probably my favorite. I I love this movie, but I don't know. He when I don't like something from him. It's like a one and done for me. It's like I'm not going to revisit that. Yep. Most of the time, from directors that I really like and admire, I even films I don't love of theirs, I'll go back and visit. I don't really know that that says anything about him. That's more about me. Sure. But I do like him. I think he's very interesting. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's had a, a very... It's a weird career. Yeah. A, what, a what do you career. think? You know, I, I, because you're... As you've said many times, you're one of the biggest fans of Finding Forrester. Oh, obviously. <laughs> I get a hard-on for it. I mean, there's nothing better than, you know, that that Sean Connery, Rob Brown thing. Finding Forrester. Go watch it if you haven't, obviously. <laughs> Parents that is, love that, that film. A, that's a dad movie. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I I have not seen... An, I've, I've seen a decent amount, but I haven't, I, there's a lot of his movies I haven't seen. Like, I would like to watch Drugstore Cowboy. I would like to check that one out. And, yeah, I like it a lot. Um, to Die For, I've never seen. I'd like to see that one. It's been a long time. I that's one that is kind of it's like more of a trashy film. That's a Nicole Kidman one, right? Nicole Kid- Kidman and Walking Phoenix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I I definitely want to see those two. I, I've seen some of his indies, like uh, I believe I've seen Last Days. That's the uh, Cobain yeah. type mm-hmm. one, you know. Uh, I, Paranoid Park. I've never seen Jerry. I've actually never seen Elephant. I know we you guys talked about it a little bit, but I've heard some people love it, some people hate it. Yeah. Obviously. Um, you know, Goodwill Hunting and Milk are solid films. Anything else you guys want to Should we do talk our highs, about? lows? Yeah, absolutely. Campfire Scene is my high. I didn't expect, I knew what was coming. You guys hadn't seen it before. I did not expect, I didn't cry, but it's like I just didn't expect it to hit me that hard again. But it does. It's so touching and so tender. And I just, there's, I know actors are constantly striving for authenticity, but it just feels like such a, and I and I don't know if this is just a testament to really good acting or their real life chemistry or what it is, but it there's just something in that moment that feels it just feels so real and compelling. I don't know. I guess that River wrote that scene. Oh wow! So no, he wrote and co-directed it. Okay. Because there's not a moment before that where Mike says that he yeah. is like he's saying that he is gay and that yeah. he loves Scott. Yeah, it's we don't really. I mean, we, we can only assess what we've seen on screen. Mm-hmm. We know that Mike's a hustler. Yeah. But he's he's never really... Well, none of them really say about explicitly their, yeah, about their sexuality. sexuality yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then later, it's like, we yeah. know Scott, he's yeah. with a girl, and he ends up yeah. with her, so we know how that is, but... Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's why that scene didn't caught me off guard, but just kind of how why I had such a strong response to it mm-hmm. is because he is. We see him be very human for, like, not that he's, what am I trying to say, be himself, maybe, for, like, the first time. Vulnerable. There's just this weird juxtaposition Mm -hmm. with this film where it gives you these high highs, these low lows, and all these funny moments in between. Mm -hmm. So he gives this killer line where he's like, I love you, you don't pay me, Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna go to sleep, good night, and he's like, good night. And yep. he just kind of, like, slumps over in himself. Like, he's, yep. like, folded up, mm-hmm. tucked his knees into his chest. And he's like, I do love you, though. Yep. Good night. And it's just, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Because he's so gawky and... Yeah. No, it's it's such a good scene. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's definitely, that's, it's my high. It's my favorite moment in the film. I think it's the spacing in it, their closeness. And yep. then afterwards, him saying that. And, you know, Scott telling him, like, come here. And, yep. like, them mm-hmm. hugging. Yeah, it, it's... it's really it's again it's just so sweet it's a lovely moment yeah stacy you're high the direction very nice that style yeah love them crane shots mm-hmm. yeah i love all the interesting stylistic flares like the magazine like the sex scenes that we've talked about sure. i love when i love when he's aping orson mm-hmm. i love when at the end scott's betrayal of bob yeah, I love that Keanu is bathed in red. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting use mm-hmm. of non-motivated light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's purposely great. too. I love yeah. whenever you have stylized lighting like yep. that. That because now I feel like it's such a thing. So many people are like, we're doing purples and reds and blues on everything. Yeah, yeah, and for no reason. And I love it. Don't get me wrong, but. I do love whenever films don't use it at all, but then they use it for very specific moments. There's some of that in Blood Simple as well yep. that I really love. Yep. It's obviously this is more of a statement moment, sure. but I just love it. It's so good. Yep. Uh, just to be different, um, I will just say I've already talked about it, but I'm just going to just say the the uh, the on-location shooting and, and the spaces that they use. Yeah, I, I just... This movie... Um, uses its its space in one of the best ways that I, I've seen that sometimes. And I love that how much of it's shot on location. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised, like I, I think this was budgeted at what, like two, two, three million? You know, Keanu, like he's coming becoming a name. Like I think he I don't know if Point Break was out by the time that they filmed this, but he'd already filmed Point Break, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he was getting ready to do Dracula. Yeah. And then like, River had been in stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, they got a budget that allowed him to travel to Rome, and, mm-hmm. you know, fucking crane shots are expensive, yep. man. All right, low points? I kind of wish, and you don't need it for timing, you don't need this, but if we got more moments of more of their regulars, yeah, because those are, like, some of my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. I think, that, like, all the stuff with Udo, the, the man who... The Dutch boy man, I, I don't know his name, yeah. but I really enjoy those moments, and they're odd. Again, it's like a weird thing, because there's a weird... I could see how some people could watch it and be like, this is weird, this is insidious, like, this is bad, or whatever. But it the film, the way those relationships are built, it doesn't come across that way. So I kind of wish we had more moments like that. I wish that we had a few more moments with Bob. But again, you don't mm-hmm. need it. Like, you get enough of all of that, you don't need more. I'm just saying, I would be entertained if there was more of that in there. Yeah. Stacy. I guess that, like, maybe I'm emotionally dead inside, but 
the, the campfire scene did not hit me the same way it hit you guys. I think that's a very good scene, and it does, like, contextualize the movie in a different, interesting way, you know, all the stuff that comes before, but as far as, like, emotional resonance, I found, like, Goodwill Hunting to be a much more, um... Was the campfire scene your low? No, I'm saying I'm not emotionally... I did not get emotionally invested in the film. That's my low. I don't know. I didn't emotionally yeah. connect with the film like you guys did, I guess. Sure. I'm not saying it's, like, bad or anything's bad in it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just... No. I'm understandable. Uh, for me, the low... I'm, I'm trying to think of one uh, myself here. Uh, I'll just... Uh, to copy Melanie, I'll just say we, I, I wish we had more Bob. I like I like Bob and and that crazy crew. Please, what, great. Whatever they, yeah, but yeah, I I, uh, I enjoyed that group and uh, I I'm with you know it's great the way it is, but I wouldn't have been upset if we would have had more of of those uh, characters. Mm-hmm. So not much of a low because it's a pretty great movie. Uh, funniest moment. What are, what do we call? Did we ever decide on a? Uh, was it make them laugh? Make yeah, them laugh. Them okay, laugh. I'm sorry. Make them laugh moment. Uh, I'll just go real quick because I'm sure sh- this is everybody's already. It's it's the Udo Care dance scene. Uh, made me laugh a lot, and it you know made me want to be in that be in that room dancing lab. You know, Don't can speak for me. Okay, it makes it made me want to go dancing with Udo Care. You know, okay. Before I get to my make them laugh, I do have to something that we didn't touch on that I is another big emotional moment. That I I think it shows another side to the Mike character to, to Rivers character. Uh, whenever he, he sees uh, Scott's new lady friend in mm-hmm. the room, whenever she's crying out and she has like the flowers, she's sitting yep. down the near a tree and she has him come sit down with her, but she's kind of like over her because yep. he's like, it's still my guy. Like I told him <laughs> I loved him, and now yep. he's like loudly having sex with you in the next room this is upsetting for me but whatever and he's just acting not fine with it but the other two do not care and do not consider Mm -hmm. his feelings at all but he sees her crying and he goes out yeah i feel the same way i understand she doesn't say Mm -hmm. anything he's just like yeah yeah i understand oh it's so again it's like a moment that it's the acting so good from both of them yeah. And it's just a really good moment. Sorry. Anyways, my make them laugh moment, to be just a little different than you, yeah. I will go with Dutch Boy. It's specifically whenever River is, not even his little outfit, whenever he's off using the scrubbing brush, but the guy, which if you haven't seen this film, you'll just have to watch it, so you know what I mean, but it's like a very pink room, and again, the, the spacing of the shot is so good, but he gets up on his heels and he pushes his hips out on the couch yep. and he just starts gliding his shoes back and forth on the floor. That's great. Because he's so excited, uh-huh. which no kink shaming, like you're into what right, you're yeah. into. But it is the way it's shot and then cutting back to River, who's just like clearly not into it, but just like, okay, this guy's really into it. I'll just scrub harder. Yeah. And then he loses it. It's uh-huh. it's very, it's just a very. It's a delightful a, scene. A playful scene. Yeah. Stacy? I like the cop a lot. Ah, yes. I like, so the first scene with the cop where he pulls them over, they're in Idaho, and they're on the motorcycle, motorcycle stalls out, and they're just Mm -hmm. stuck there, and as soon as the cop pulls up, Mike just runs through the field, (laughs) and then drops. Yeah. That's really good. 
and you know, Keanu's like, yeah, I guess he just doesn't like cops. But the second scene where the cop shows up is my favorite with Udo. Oh, yeah. Where Udo's riding the bike, mm-hmm. and he gets pulled over, but he's not paying attention to the cop, even though he stopped. And the cop's like, you know, you're going pretty fast. Um, I'm going to have to give you a ticket. And, like, there's this pause, and Udo's just rubbing the bike, the bike in, like, this sexual yeah. manner. He's got both and, like, his hands on it, yeah. and he's just, like, massaging the bike. It's very and sexual. It pauses, yeah. and the cop's just like, you really like that bike. I'm still going to have to give you a ticket. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, I just think it's really fun and quirky. It's great. Yeah. Good. That's a good call. I'm glad you brought brought that up. That was, that was good stuff. In that scene where Mike runs away and it cuts to Scott going out to retrieve him. And it's like he got like maybe 20 feet and just fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Because he was stressed. Yeah. Can I just uh, real quick on that? Like, as we've established, like Scott is kind of a piece of shit, but like. At the same time, I love how he's always taking care of Mike throughout the film. He falls asleep so many times throughout the movie. And usually Scott is the one to make sure he's okay. Make sure everything's alright and takes care of him. Why do we say Scott's a piece of shit? Well, I base that all on the Italy trip. Scott knows that Mike has feelings for him at this point. Sure. Not saying he he doesn't he she has the perfect like, ability, he should be able to hook up with someone if he wants. But the way he goes about that... It's so loud. And I... It's so That loud. is my thing, is, like, I feel like, as a friend, maybe you should be a little bit considerate. And, like, from there on, he kind of, like, obviously what how he turns to the end of the movie. His character hits a little bit of a turning point at that, and just kind of doesn't recover. I think with Scott... Because he says everything that he intends to do from the beginning of the film. Like, in the first act, when it's adapting, you know, Henry IV straight on, you know, he he tells Bob that he's living this life because once he goes back to his father, it will make it look even more accomplished that he was able to overcome, you know, this life that he's slumming it. Like, his reward will be greater. Mm-hmm. He says that. And he tells everybody, tells Mike that he doesn't care for him in that way. Like, he is honest with, sure, you know, the characters throughout the thing. And when he does turn his back on Bob, it is shitty, but he also tells him the truth at yeah, the moment. My, I guess... And he told him the truth oh, before I mean, then. You can be honest, but you can still be shitty. I still think he goes about it the wrong way. But I, I do understand what you're saying as well. They're supposed to be really good friends at the same time. So, like... I just feel like he should have went th- went about things a little bit differently. It's very narcissistic and self centered because it's he is kind of just I mean, which it's the character. He's only out for himself and right. it's about his wants. Even the girl, it's like he doesn't speak her language, he doesn't know so, her. She's pretty. Yeah. Maybe so maybe a piece of shit isn't the right word. He he he's just He's an asshole. Not the best friend in the world. How about that? Should we talk about the end of the film? We didn't really cover it. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think of that last shot? He's back on the road. The car pulls up. Robs him. Oh, yeah. Because he had another mm-hmm. episode, so he's he's passed out. We go into a wide crane. An unknown vehicle pulls up and abducts him and drives off. Yep. So I, I read that originally there was a scene where that was his brother picking him up. I read that, too. I like that they cut it. Yeah. I like it more. And... 
the sweet thing is Gus is telling of that because I think a lot of people, because you kind of asked, you were taking notes and mm-hmm. you were like, wait, did did we see who picks him up? And it's like, no, yeah. it's an unseen mm-hmm. figure just picking him up. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, oh, like a young boy passed out on a street, someone just randomly picking him up, just immediately scooping him up, putting him in a car. That seems nefarious. Yeah. But the way Gus told it, he was like, you know, that could be the love of his life, taking him back to Italy, and, like, everything's going to turn around for Mike at that moment. And I'm like, that is very, that is much <laughs> more chipper than what I was thinking. Because yep. for me, it's like a, it's, again, it's like his body is not his own, and it's just being yep. used again, sure. it's taken. Yeah, well, and also, the character doesn't really go through a change throughout the mm-hmm. film. It's everyone around Everything around him changes. He does not. He still has, you know, this, you know, narcolepsy. This neurological That's, condition. Yeah, yeah. He, he still has that. He is still on the road that he knows so well. He's still hustling. He's still... He hasn't found what he was looking for in either aspects of his life. Our lead protagonist, for all intents and purposes, had no character growth or change really throughout the film. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. exactly where he started. Well, and that's the point of the film. Is that's, if he tells yeah. you at the beginning that he always, sure. it's always him in the road. And I think that's why I love that character so much in a way, too, is he doesn't change. He's exactly who he is who he, when, he, when he started and how he finished. And I, I really, I don't know, there's something about that type of character that I've always cling to. So I, I really, I like how it ended for him. I, I think you can look at it. That's very, I guess, depending on how you are as a person, that's a very optimistic or pessimistic end for Mike. <laughs> I always was just, not like I made it super dark or anything. Mm-hmm. Having a neurological condition where you're mm-hmm. completely out of control of your body, I can't even imagine passing out and just being, again, you're just up to the wills of the world. That's a scary, frightening thought. Yeah. And for someone who doesn't have a family, doesn't have you know, a core group to assist him. And because once Scott's gone, it's like, Scott's happy to be there to help him for the time right. being. But once he's going on to do what he said he was going to do, that's it. Like, yeah, he's he just gone. gives him money and he's like, good luck, buddy. Yeah. Knowing that he's probably not okay because right. he does need a caregiver. Yeah. Uh, the uh, fantastical side in me wants to say that Udo Kerr came back and picked him up. And mm-hmm. they he goes on a new uh, road trip with Udo and they have uh, just... Some great journeys together. There's something to the whole young person sweeping in on, like, old money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, Mm -hmm. you know what, but typically those people turned out to be, they are shitty. Because they're trying to get more and more because they're greedy. Mike's not that type of guy. I think he needs to hook up with a guy that's got more money that's nice. And just have a nice, easy lifestyle be taken care of. Because... I agree. You know... Mm-hmm. Put himself out there. Hopefully, again, person yeah. who picked him up. It was a good story, but yeah, I just don't know. I'm a pessimist. It's well, a great film. It's a great film. Uh, highly enjoyed it. Uh, We're obviously not going to do our Mary Fuck Kill. Nah. I mean, I guess we could do Mary Fuck Kill. Uh, Jigsaw, Conjuring Universe. Oh, Jigsaw, Annabelle. Um, the Nun. The Nun. Go for it. Jigsaw, Annabelle, The Nun. Let's do it. Um, 
I've, I've never seen Annabelle or The Nun, so I'm going to go with... Um, well, but, but you've seen, seen them in The Conjuring. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yep, that's true. You're, you're, you're you, right. You've I'm seen sorry, them. I'm sorry. Okay. You know what they uh, look like? You well, know what they're about? Okay. Um, you know what they have to offer? I'm marrying Jigsaw. Uh, we're going to kill together. I'm going to be his You're going to be the protege? protege. Yeah. Um, and, uh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> protege. Yeah. What is your first trap? What are you doing? It's gonna be sexual. <laughs> you're you're tormenting someone. Oh man, I've I've never gone this maniacal before. <laughs> well, we'll get back to it. Uh, just just finish your MKF. Okay. Well, uh, and then uh, I'm I'm gonna f Annabelle. I always wanted to f a doll. I guess you know why not? Sex doll. You can. Yeah, that's okay? they have dolls. You I don't can have buy. one. Okay, but I'm saying like you could buy one. Okay, that, maybe I will. That works. And then I'm gonna kill the nun. She's creepy. I don't like it. She's creepier than the doll to me. Oh, I agree. That's that's my choice too. Okay. Like you agree with all three of his? Yeah. What yeah, do you think I don't. This? I don't like any part of that. None. I really don't want any part of Annabelle either. Like, I don't find that dog creepy, but I'm just like. Does Jigsaw have money? He has to to make these traps, right? Where's he getting all this industrial space? Who knows, man. He's. I'm gonna marry Jigsaw under the thought that like he has money. I am not gonna be his protege because I am not into that shit. I'm probably gonna open a foundation in his name for like people who have been like. Fucking stabbed with needles or something stupid. But he lives oh. through it. Who? Nobody does. No, no, no. This is like for, you know, people who trip in a bathroom or something. Okay. Fall on a needle. I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand, but I'll accept it. I'm gonna... Yeah, I think you I think you hit it right, Nolan. I mean... This is the first... Like... Because that Annabelle doll, like, it doesn't really do anything outside of, like, the demon being in it. So, like, you could really just pop a hole in that thing. I don't... I mean... Why do we... And can we get past an MKF without you talking about holes? Like, I get the nature of the I question. I mean, that is... The nature of the question I, is, what holes, how do you fill them? I understand the nature of the question. I created this segment. I know it's gross, and that's inherently what this is. I'm not above that. But do we have to say, you could put a hole in it? You gotta think about practicality, Melanie. Well, but like, what just, you're doing. People don't need to know specifically what you're doing with the doll. You're gonna F it. We get it. If they want the context <laughs> for my answers. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I, then I do think a lot of people think that you could have sexy time with a nun, but if you've seen that nun, it's yeah, that's good. the thing. Well, yeah, that thing. I is... will say the actress actually, because people talk because it's the same uh, actress. I forget her name right now, but it's the the thing behind Sprinkles in uh, Mulholland Drive. That mm-hmm. is the nun. Is the actress from the thing with the black stuff and the you're talking about the crazy? Yeah. Is it Sprinkles? the crazy scary thing? Is that what it's called? I think that's what it is. The restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. It's sprinkle. Well, I'm just making sure I'm right, because I was like, I feel like that's right, but you looked at me like it was wrong, and I was like, did I I F it? No, I'm just surprised that's the same person. I didn't know that. But she's very, very pretty outside of, like, all this makeup, and people have said, like, really negative things about her looks, and I think that's shit. yeah, you shouldn't, you know... I'm saying if it was just her and she was You shouldn't shit on real people. I'm gonna kill the fucking nun. (laughs) 
Okay. Nolan, protege, you've had like three, four minutes to think. What are you doing? Is it an elemental thing? Are we talking ice, fire? Oh, yeah. You, you got could, blades. You know what? You his, got needles. His whole thing is it's too much for you to come up with right now. But what if you were, we'll just say this. If you were doing a murder trap, what would be the thing, the threatening to kill? Not the contraption or whatever. I think like what ice, type of. I want like a. A like, freeze out. Yeah. Like, okay. Mr. Freeze. Something like, like that. that. I think that would be good. You want to freeze him to death. Yeah. Does Maybe that movie three with like? Do you think that Schumacher's Mister F- like? Do you think that that had anything mm. to do with inspiring your answer? That's probably yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree. That. I'd like to do something with like frozen nipples, maybe. It, so it's slightly something sexual. in there. Yeah. Okay. It would be a sexual trap. Mm-hmm. Um, a sexual frozen trap. Yeah. It's enticing. You're you're making me come up with things on the spot. I'm not good at it, but no, I think that's great though. I don't know the ins and outs, but you know. Well, I'm not asking you to be an engineer. I'm just asking you. I'm like, not. I'm a, not smart enough. I. That's why I got to be his protege so I can learn. I haven't learned yet. Well, I'm just asking. I'm what not you're, married to him yet. What are you into? Yeah, I think you know. I mean, you just said ice. Yes. <laughs> well, this has gone off the rails like always. I love it. What so, a way to end a show about. My own private Idaho. We'll I mean, see if you, it... you did this. We didn't do it. Well, well here's the thing. I said, I did choose. I said, I'm not going to pick MFK for this because it just seemed in poor taste. Right. Like, it's, you know, but, you well, know. you got to give the people what they want. I mean, I don't know if anybody is, like, really itching for, for this segment. And we it's, all agreed on it. On this, on this one. Yeah, it's pretty... I understand that it's like I, mean, God, I could easily honest. understand how someone could listen to us and be like, "Yeah, they're dumb, whatever," but then just get to this part and be like, "Okay, they're gross too." <laughs> so skip yeah. or turn off. Yeah, I think that we probably do have a lot of people that I say a lot of people as if it, we have two people that listen and one of them gets to this uh-huh. and they're like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> turn off." Let's uh, let's finish this thing. You can find us. On Twitter at Cinema Parlor, you can find us on uh, Apple. I'm gonna start over. Let me try again. One, Are you two. okay? I'm not. I'm, I'm down. gone. You did this to me. One, two, three, four. Kusrapa. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Apple. You can find us uh, on Spotify. You can find us on anywhere you get your. Uh, I thought, I don't my I think it was uh, on Family Matters once. Uh, I think Carl goes, one, two, one, two, three. What the heck is bothering me? That's right. He <laughs> had to do it every time Urkel would come up. Yep. It was like a breathing exercise. He'd do it yep. in the car. That's and- right. Yeah. I like Waiting that. On We've you. been getting to the end of episodes and you have it together and, and then it. you you totally unravel. What is happening with you? Are you okay? No. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find me personally at Plastic Werewolf on all social media. Stacey, where can they find you? Esclover84 on Letterboxd. You can find me at Chuckman Jr. on Letterboxd. Did you say at? I don't know. Just... You can find me. My name is Chuck Madden Jr. on Letterboxd. Find me there. I'm not all there right now. I had to have Melanie 
do this part because I couldn't do it. Cinema Parlor on Twitter. On Twitter, on Instagram. All the places and there. I do want to give a, another shout out. You should follow Mr. Jimmy Fletcher. And that's J-I-M-I on Letterboxd. And he writes for VHS Revival. Great reviews, great articles. Follow him as well. Very nice. Thank you, Jimmy. Yes, rate and review our show and let us know what you think of us, please. After this episode, you're getting a bad review. Uh, Everyone loves me. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, So, uh, guys, this has been a good time. Um, Happy Pride Month, everyone. Shout out to the... I'm not even... What am I doing? Just happy Pride Month, everyone. Uh, We love you all. No, happy Pride Month. Please stay safe and uh, celebrate responsibly. We love everyone. And... uh, We'll catch you all here in a couple weeks and uh, got some good episodes coming up for everybody. All right. Well, with that being said, I'm out. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, Gabby. Goodbye, Godwin. It's like, thank God it's over. He was having a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Big time. Sitting on the bullets. Thank you very much.